Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Back in the 1990s, when a new tribe of supermodels emerged, think Naomi Campbell, Linda Evangelista, Claudia Schiffer, there was such a frenzied demand for them that they became famous for the phrase, I wouldn't get out of bed for less than $10,000. Now, three decades and an awful lot of inflation later, you can just imagine how lucrative and influential it is to be the face of a generation, to be a supermodel. And one of the most popular supermodels of the moment is Adit Akech. To put into perspective just how big of a deal Adut is, well, she has graced the covers of many Vogue magazines from all over the world. I was born in South Sudan. I grew up in a refugee camp in Kakuma in Kenya and moved to Australia when I was seven or eight. Kakuma is one of the world's largest refugee camps, and many of the girls and boys there dream of changing their lives, of becoming globally successful supermodels like Adit Akech. A Sunday Times investigation has found scouts recruiting refugees, flying them to Europe with the offer of modelling opportunities. I was so excited and I was like, it's time, it's my dream come true, my dream has come true. But just a few weeks later, some of them returned to Kenya in the same financial position they were in before they left. I thought I did something terrible, that's why they're sending me back home. I think something really needs to be done quite urgently, actually. So why are modelling agencies targeting refugee camps? And when some of the most vulnerable people in the world are being recruited, should more be done to regulate the industry? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana, with a very croaky voice. Today, the modelling agencies recruiting from refugee camps. I'm Lisa Brinkworth. I'm a journalist. 
Lisa is a freelance journalist who's done extensive reporting on the modelling agency, including going undercover in the past. Her latest investigation has been with the Sunday Times and started with a tip-off from the Models Trust, an organisation dedicated to making the industry safer. They had come across a story of a young South Sudanese refugee who had been scouted in her refugee camp in Kenya and she was taken to Paris. Her name is Nyabalang and I, I started to look into her story. I realised quite soon that there were many, many more refugees in the same situation. So what's happening is that these young people believe that their lives will change, they'll have better futures, their families' lives will change, but they get to Paris or London and if they don't sort of work out right away, they come back, you know, having failed, as, as they see it. And I couldn't understand why um, model agents would go to a place where there's already displacement, there's so much trauma. So these refugees are being taken to Paris to go and model on the catwalks of Europe. And then, when it doesn't work out, they have to go home again a few weeks later. So why is this particular camp drawing so many modelling agencies? So South Sudanese models are really in trend at the moment. And what was explained to me actually by Mary Malik, who's a South Sudanese refugee model herself, she's the one who brought the story to us in, in the first place via Model Trust. South Sudanese refugee models are the it girls. And I believe it is due to the fact that the diversity and inclusion movement in the fashion industry has skyrocketed demand from people asking for more representation, African models, dark skin models, black models. And especially with South Sudanese models who are renowned for their striking beauty and powerful look. And of course they are refugees, which is somewhat could be like a good story. This just became a trend and it is highly, highly problematic because it is tokenism. I don't feel and many models don't feel like the fashion industry is really being accountable and really actually care for the livelihoods of models. We'll hear more about Niabalang and what exactly happened to her later. But first, let us take you to Kenya to find out more about the refugee camp that's been turned into a recruitment ground for models. My name's Hugo Daniel. I'm a journalist for the Sunday Times and uh, I work for general news and um, investigations and features. So Hugo, before we hear more about the camp, can you just tell us a bit about how the modelling industry is set up? So yeah, the modelling industry operates in a slightly unusual way, certainly when it comes to debts. Like all employment agencies, a model agency finds workers and passes them on to clients for commission. It is standard for a young model to accrue debt while agents try to find them enough work to earn a salary and pay them back. Typically, when they're sent abroad to castings and for work, like fashion shows, agencies will pay their expenses, like their flights and their accommodation. And these are repaid when the, when the model starts to earn money. Agencies have said to us that 
if the model can't make the money back, that debt will sometimes just be swallowed by the agency and they'll they'll make a loss. But um, campaigners say that this way that the, that the industry works might need to change. Uh, the Model Alliance, uh, a prominent organization in the US, which helps models around the world, uh, describes the modeling industry as a largely unregulated industry. The organization has said about the fashion industry more widely that modeling contracts in general tend to be exploitative and one-sided in favor of the management company and often, they say, have a lack of transparency and accountability. And Higo, tell us a bit about the camp. There was one specific refugee camp where we we had found that this was happening more regularly than others, and that was a place called Kakuma Refugee Camp. So I'm here in Kakuma Refugee Camp. We're in northwest Kenya, and this camp was built in 1992, originally for under 100,000 people. There's now well over 200,000 people here mostly from South Sudan. It's, uh, looking around me now, there's, there's a big dirt road with lots of huge... Pops. South Sudan is the, the poorest country in the world and it became a country in 2011. Before that, had decades of civil war and it's still beset by tribal violence over scarce resources. So These are very desperate people. Yeah. Arriving at the camp and, and going in it for the first time, I'd never seen anything like it, to be honest. I've visited places like Calais and places where refugees wait before they come on small boats across the channel. Mm. But this is on a, a massive scale. People live in extreme poverty there. There's a threat of diseases like malaria, cholera and typhoid constantly. People rely on and survive on monthly rations given out by the World Food Programme. The camp is run by the UN. They get $1 a week per person per household from the UN. And they spend that money in the shops for any extra food they can get or, or other things they need. So there is usually one meal a day for a family if, if they can. No electricity in their, in their compounds where they live in mud brick. The Kukuma camp is partly run by the UNHCR, the UN Refugee Agency. And there are some rules that residents have to follow. One other thing I would say is Kenyan law means that they aren't allowed to work or run a business outside of the camp. Only about 20% are employed in the camp. So there's a real sense of hopelessness among the refugees who live there. There's not many ways out. And uh, many of the older residents who have lived there for decades have, have never stepped outside it, you know, even if they got there 10, 20 years ago. And it, it really is like nothing I'd seen before in extreme poverty on a, on a huge scale. I mean, when you describe it like that, you know, you get this sense of all these people trapped there with no real hope of anything to come, no way of, of finding a way out of this incredibly bleak place. I can imagine the prospect of modelling must seem quite alien, but also, you know, like manna from heaven. Were people you were speaking to, were they interested in, in that? Yeah, so I went there and, and spoke to as many people as I could. And the overriding feeling on modelling was it was something of, that provided people with great hope. They have seen South Sudanese people from Kakuma become international models who have incredibly successful, glamorous careers. They're famous. So the refugees in the camp are seeing that people have been scouted from the camp and, and gone to Europe and have escaped and everyone wants to do that. This is something that's 
really taken off in the last five years. And in the last year or two, that has really increased and, and models have begun being scouted directly from the camp. And were you able to see some of this in practice? I mean, did you see some of these scouts turning up? So when we went in July, we timed our visit for uh, an event we had seen trailed on on social media by an agency called Isis Models, which is an African model agency with its headquarters in London, and another called Select Model Management, based in Paris, London, in various countries, and are, are a big name in the modelling industry. And these two agencies were holding a model casting event at Kakuma Refugee Camp in July. And these two model executives were basically sitting there while the models came in and did a sort of catwalk walk and they were measuring their height and their waists. Outside the hall was a banner featuring photos of refugee models who have worked with these agencies and ended up on European catwalks. And from early in the morning, waiting outside in their smartest clothes, boys and girls, all sort of in their teens and early 20s. So there was almost an established infrastructure for castings. Did you meet any models who'd actually been to Europe? So this is where you live? This is the kitchen. This is the kitchen? Yeah, this is the kitchen right here. Rilly was one of the first refugees I met at Kakuma Refugee Camp. His actual name is Teflok Luke Bayak Chuil. He went by his nickname, Rilly. And um, he invited me and Edwin Okoff, the Kenyan journalist who I worked on this investigation with, into his family compound in Kakuma Camp. Wow. It's like a kind of tent, but it's... Yeah. Yeah. It has a roof. It's yeah, a it's corrugated... Yeah. And we sat down and talked about his modelling career. Yeah. And how old are you now? Tell us how old you are. 23. 23. Yeah. And um, this time last year, you were in Paris at the, shoot, at the fashion show. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. He showed us an incredible photo of himself on the catwalk for a big brand. You're pictured on their Instagram account. Yeah. yeah and he said it was, it was great. He, he loved it. It felt so good. They even gave him a vest to keep, but that was the only show he work he got, and then he he was flown back. He he has a happy memory of this happening, he says, but obviously it's tinged with regret and sadness that he he didn't get to more of a chance, and yeah. he's now back in the camp. And just one one thing he really hit home when I spoke to him was that he said they've got nothing to do, and he's got a two year old daughter, and you know, he has nightmares about not being able to give her enough milk. And for him to have seen what life's like in Europe for that very small amount of time, he said to me, I mean, he's seen the other world and the life there, and he sees the life they're living in the camp, and he says, this is not the way we should live. He never made any money, but said he understood that the agencies have to take their expenses for his flights and accommodation and, and didn't have any hard feelings about that. Wow. But now he's obviously he's still hoping that they might still take him back there and give him another chance. Yeah, I can work hard, I know. I can work hard and make it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I can change my, my life, my family life. Then from there, apart from changing my life... I because this is a real hope of getting out of there and they don't want to burn any bridges if that's still a chance for them. Yeah. 
he's got friends who are doing well and being successful in Europe and he's really happy for them. So it was, it was a, a real sort of mixed, mixed feelings for him. Coming up, we'll hear from the refugee who was told to lose weight and went home with a mountain of debt. That's in just a moment. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewellery, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Lisa Brinkworth's investigation for the Sunday Times was really kick-started by the case of one woman, Nyabalang. So Nyabalang has really struck me as being an incredibly courageous young woman. And she fled South Sudan with her family when she was two years old. And they came to Kakuma camp. And Nyabalang's had quite a terrible story, really. At 15 years old, she was raped at the camp by someone that she doesn't know, never met before. And she gave birth to a daughter, but the family don't recognise that daughter. And in fact, the child has grown up believing that Nyabalang is her sister. And Nyabalang was a victim of domestic abuse. Um, She was unable to finish school because of the abuse. So against this backdrop, you can absolutely see that she would want to escape all of this. And it was very evident quite early on to one of the teachers at her school that Nyabalang had great modelling potential. Wow, even the school in the refugee camp is looking out for modelling um, potential. Yeah, so the schools encouraged her, helped her to practice her walking. And then she was, Nyabalang was discovered um, in Nairobi. She was walking along the street. Um, he stopped her and he said, you know, please come and see the mother agent. She's going to love you. You're very tall. You're exactly the look she wants. And then she said, oh, she's beautiful and she has the height. She's very tall. She took my pictures. She told me, you know what, this modeling will take you very, very far, very far. So he took her to the offices of this agent and this woman signed her up straight away. This was in 
August 2021. And she said that she wanted Nyabalang to fly out to Paris for Fashion Week. But in the meantime, even though Nyabalang was already very slim, I mean, she's at five foot 11, she was 50 kilograms. So this agent said that she needed to lose five kilograms. Wow. And yes. Telling a, yes. a, a refugee they need to lose yes. weight. I was so skinny, mm-hmm. skinny bones. And she she told me to lose five kgs again. So I have to lose five kgs. And she said she did that by starving herself and she has stomach problems. And then finally in February, she did fly over to Paris for, for Fashion Week and to start, hopefully to start her modelling career. I mean, that must be a huge moment. You know, she's had a very traumatic life up until then in the camp. Suddenly, here she is in Paris. How does she feel? I was so excited and I was like, it's time, is my dream come true, my dream has come true. And also I was so excited because I know if I reach there, I will change my family life, of course. My daughter, my siblings, they all go to school and they will get enough food to eat. And in fact, she's given us diary excerpts of that time when she absolutely believed that she would be bringing over her mother, her daughter, her siblings. So she was really, she thought she'd made it. How much had they done to prepare her for what she was about to experience? You know, how much did they tell her about Paris? What happens? She was completely unprepared, like many all the others that we've spoken to, really. I mean, they hadn't been told at all what to expect. She arrived early, 6.45 on a February morning. and She hadn't actually been told about how cold it is um, oh. in the winter months. It was so cold. I did not have a warm jacket or a warm sweater. I didn't know this place is so cold. She was driven to a model apartment and she went into the apartment and she said that she saw this black table with with glass on the top and she put her bag on it and then she was wondering how she was going to cook and in actual fact this table with the glass was a hob of a cooker and then she phoned the agent and said where can I get cooking gas to cook for the first day she didn't buy food simply because she didn't know how to go to the supermarket. I couldn't know what to do. Okay, I don't have the food in the house, and yet I don't know where the gas it is, even though I can warm some water, because I found sugar, a little bit sugar, and the tea bag. But how will I warm the water, you know? Each week, the model agency uh, would give the models um, between 70 and 100 euros. In Nyabalang's case, it was 70 euros. A week? Yes. That's uh, not much no. to live on. Well, as she said, the problem with that was that was almost gone immediately. First of all, she realised that she needed an adapter plug for her, her phone to charge. Mm. And she'd already been told by um, her agent that she had to make sure her hair was perfect and braided. So she also needed money for her hair. Did the agency who had booked her, did they manage to find her a lot of work in Paris? So she told me that she had no contact at all from the agency for three or four days. And then she was told that she had a round of bookings with with top designers. So she did these castings. She had callbacks and she had a fitting for one big designer. But then she didn't hear any more after that. And she said that there was no sort of communication as to whether she was booked or not. And the next thing she heard, she just had, had a, an email or a text from the agent saying that she was due to fly back. I thought I did something terrible. That's why they're sending me back home. So I was blaming myself. What did I do? Yet I don't know what did I do wrong. 
she just tried to concentrate on her breathing because she was so shocked and upset. I just breathe in and breathe out. And then I relax my mind. I lay down in my bed. I cover myself. I cry. That she remembers just lying under her blankets and then just sobbing and sobbing. Although I was crying inside my heart because I feel like my dream has gone. Like I have nothing to do right now. And I can't help my family anymore. And I just came here for like a week and I do nothing, totally nothing. Select Model Management told the Sunday Times, Models come for shows for three or four weeks, then they return home. If they receive a successful response, we agree to bring them back for development. We are very clear we are not moving them permanently to France or the UK at the beginning, but offering them an opportunity that can turn into a permanent move only if they are successful. Niabalang ended up going back to Kenya without booking any work. And she went back in debt. It's standard for, for models' expenses to be deducted from their earnings. So, so she ended up, when she got back to Nairobi, with a huge bill of 2,700 euros. She can't even begin to conceive wow. of that amount of money. She can't leave her contract unless another model agency is prepared to take on that debt. So she, in fact, when she arrived back in Nairobi, very sadly, and again, she's not an isolated case, she was then suicidal. And she said that she made, I think, two or three attempts on her life, but the third one almost was very nearly successful. And it's a miracle that she survived it. Select Model Management CEO Matteo Puglisi said... The company loses hundreds of thousands of pounds for unrecoverable model advances every year. This concerns all models from every nation, not just refugees from Africa. They cover all their expenses for them. Models are never asked to pay anything out of their own pockets. Buglisi said Select had improved the lives of hundreds, including models and their families. He said... Where is the danger inviting them to Europe for two to three weeks on a trip that can potentially improve their life, all expenses paid? Where is the exploitation? I need to have a sure economic return if there's an exploitation. We make money only when they become stars and we are profitable because we do turn a lot of them into stars. Jonah Korodudu the founder of the London-based company Isis Model Manage said that sometimes during Fashion Week, models didn't make enough money to pay off agency debts, and most debts are cancelled. She said she didn't operate an NGO, but that she paid for models' travel, as well as good living conditions and other bills. And in her 20 years working in the industry, she has never collected payments for models, and they were paid directly by agents. So Hugo, with these agencies, Clearly what they're doing feels very uncomfortable. Is there anything actually illegal about it? It doesn't look like there is anything that they're doing that's illegal. The modelling industry, the way it works is models are scouted, they get an agency who wants to represent them and they're almost sponsored by that agency and 
have their expenses paid, accommodation paid, while the agency tries to find them work and, and basically get enough for a salary to pay back the expenses and, and make a living out of, of the yeah. job. But the caveat is that the modelling agents should be doing everything they can to find the model work and helping them going to castings and for longer than two or three weeks. Mm. And they should be spending weeks or months helping them to try and achieve that. In response to this investigation by the Sunday Times, Select Model Management CEO Matteo Puglisi said, Select is one of the starters of the African revolution in fashion and accused the Sunday Times of racism. Jonah Korodudu, the founder of Isis Model Managed, said that she takes care of models and their families. She also accused the Sunday Times of a racist attack on her and her agency. She said people in the West hated a black man or woman moving ahead. And the UNHCR, who partly run Kakuma camps, said refugees and asylum seekers are often in very vulnerable situations. And as an organization, UNHCR does its utmost to protect them. We would not want anyone to be placed in a situation that puts them at risk. Would you want to stop the modelling agencies from going to places like Kakuma, to these refugee camps, to find models? Because, you know, I suppose for a lot of people, this is their only way out. And if you were to stop that altogether, it takes away any hope. Uh, modelling in Africa is very, very young. It's not really even recognised as a profession. And obviously, with the demand now for so many African models, it's beginning to, to thrive. And the last thing anyone would want to see is going back to how things were and not mm. having African men and women represented on the catwalk and in magazines. So what I think we're really asking for is that agencies, they do need to be more selective because at the moment they'll take out a whole group in the hope that one or two will make it, which is just not fair. If this investigation can shine a light on something that's a fairly new phenomenon, whether it's being done safely and properly, then hopefully it's going to help these people get a fair deal and better safeguards could be demanded from the industry, um, from the industry as a whole. And for Niabalang now, what is she hoping for? I think the reason she's so impressive is because, in spite of what's happened to her, she really wants to help prevent the same happening to others. Her dream is still to come to Europe and be a successful model. And actually, there should really be no reason why, why that dream can't be realised if she has the right care and protection. What makes me to speak out, Lisa, is because I don't want anyone to go through this. There's some people who went through it, but they never want to speak about it, you know? You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, freelance journalist Lisa Brinkworth and reporter at The Sunday Times, Hugo Daniel, with thanks to Edwin Okoth, who provided additional reporting on this investigation, and Mari Malik from Runways to Freedom. You can read more of Lisa and Hugo's work at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription. The producer today was Sam Chantarasak. The executive producer is Kate Ford and sound design was by David Crackles. Thanks for listening. Apologies for my voice. See you tomorrow. 
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.